Today I want to talk to you, and um, we're beginning a new series today entitled Run to the Tomb, and this is our Sprint to Easter, and uh, actually the title is Sprint to the Tomb, and believe it or not, we are just a couple of weeks out from Easter, and I don't know what that looks like. I don't know uh, really what next week looks like, let alone a couple of weeks down the road, but we're going to plan and we're going to prepare Uh, Whether we are in a physical location or continuing to stream to you, we're going to prepare for Easter. So I just want to start with John's Gospel, chapter 20, and um, I want to look at verse number one, and we're going to go through John uh, 20, 1 through 10. That's what the Bible records. It says, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. And so she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. And so Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in and the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. And then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. And he saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand the scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now, we know that there were others that were present at the tomb besides the three that are mentioned, as John mentions in his recording. But John chooses to identify one person in particular. He chooses to identify Mary. And perhaps Mary was there before any of the rest of them were there because the Bible said that she was there while it was still dark. Um, The technical term or the phrase that's used here. give reference to the last four night watches. The Roman night was divided into four watches. It started at 6 p.m., that was the first watch, and went to 9 p.m. The second watch was from 9 p.m. to midnight. The third watch went from midnight to 3 a.m. And the fourth watch was from 3 a.m. until 6 a.m. And so... What we see here is that Mary, between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m., went to the tomb. And so it was really early that Mary made her way back to the tomb. And what I'm guessing is that Mary probably didn't sleep well, if at all, that night. She had been tossing and turning throughout the night. And so she decides just to get up and just to go to the tomb. Uh, We've all had those nights. We've all had those seasons. As a matter of fact, we're in one of those seasons right now 
We're in a season of restlessness. Our nation is in the season of restlessness. There's a tossing and a turning that's going on in our lives right now. And all of us are wondering, what's next? What's ahead of us? You know, for Mary, Mary's wondering what's next for her life. Because in Mary's mind, all of her hopes, all of her dreams seem to have been buried with Jesus in that borrowed tomb. But I also think that Mary gives us some insight into our night seasons. I think that Mary gives us some insight into our restless seasons. And the first thing that I want you to see and the first thing that I want to point out to you is simply this, Mary returned back to the tomb or Mary turned to Jesus. And we know that there are many people right now that either have returned to Jesus or are turning to him during this hour of restlessness that we're facing individually, families, and as a nation. You know, God has a way of getting our attention. God has a way of turning our attention to him. And so one of the things that I think that we're seeing in this hour is we're just seeing that we are turning as a nation, turning as a people to Jesus. And there are a lot of people that may have drifted away for whatever reason, but now they are returning to the Lord and we are beginning to seek Jesus. And so Mary simply goes to where she knows that they had laid the body of Jesus. The second thing that I want to point out in this story is simply this. Metaphorically, the church, the people, we are the body of Christ. And night seasons, restless seasons, wandering seasons are designed to cause us to connect to the body, to cause us to reconnect to the body. So when we go through life challenges, most of the time, our first inclination is to separate and to seclude ourselves from other people. A lot of times when, we're go, when we go through and face times of difficulty, we tend to isolate ourselves. And ironically, we are being encouraged to make sure that we uh, keep separation and to keep distance from people right now. And I understand that. And, um, and I know that we should and we need to be practicing that. But I just want to take that a step further, and I just want to spiritualize that for a moment. And I want us to understand that nothing could be more harmful than separating ourselves spiritually from the body of Christ, especially during times like this. It's during times like this that you and I need to stay connected to the vine, which is Christ. You and I have to remain among the branches. The branches represent our brothers and sisters in Christ. And so this is not a time for you and I to isolate ourselves spiritually, but this is a time for you and I to make sure that we move or stay connected to the body of Christ. Because the only way that God's love can flow in, in uh, your direction is if you allow 
it to flow by remaining connected to the body of Christ. And so if the enemy can divide you, if he can divide me from the rest of the body, then he can conquer us. The Bible says that a house divided or a house that is separated, that house cannot stand. And so even though we cannot uh, assemble ourselves in a physical location right now, right now, through the internet, through this service, you and I are connecting. We're not disconnecting, but we are connecting as the body of Christ. We are remaining uh, connected to the body of Christ because the body of Christ is meant to draw the discouraged. It's meant to draw the disheartened. It's meant to draw the disconnected. And one of the reasons that the body is designed to draw those types of people is because we, as the body of Christ, have resurrection power residing on the inside of us. The scripture teaches us that the same spirit, the Holy Spirit, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives on the each, uh, lives uh, inside each and every one of us. And so within us is the ability not only to draw people to the body, to draw people to Jesus, but we have the ability to resurrect hope. We have the ability to resurrect dreams. We have the ability to resurrect marriages and resurrect families and resurrect callings and finances. We have the ability as the body of Christ to reconnect people to their purpose again. I want you to notice something in the story. The Bible said that it was the first day of the week. This account set in motion something that has taken place for the last 2,000 years. And that is simply this. That is simply believers gathering together on Sunday to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To let everyone know that death has been defeated, the grave has been robbed, and Jesus Christ is Lord. And so our assembling together is a witness. It is a witness to the world that our God reigns. It is a witness to the world that we are the body of Christ. The Bible says, let the earth rejoice. Let the people be glad. Why? Because our God reigns. And so when we gather at a physical location, the people that drive by and see our cars in the parking lot, do you realize that that is a witness to them that we believe in the resurrection of our Lord and Savior? Do you realize even right now, as we are uh, streaming right now, when people are scrolling through and they may stop right here, they need to understand, and what you need to understand is your participation in this service today is a witness to other people that our God reigns. And so your attendance, whether it's physical attendance or whether it's right here joining us live, is letting people know you are being a witness to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so I just want to say thank you. Thank you for being a witness. Thank you for joining us. And thank you for being part of this service. But not only, not only is the body a place where the restless can come and find rest, but it's also a place where the restless can come 
and find resurrection power. See, our God is alive and well, and we want the world to know that. Even though, or even in spite of what's going on right now, we know that God is in charge and that God is in control. And so I'm not sure what Mary was expecting when she got to the tomb. I'm not sure what she was thinking when she got there. But I just kind of believe that Mary wanted just to be around the body of Jesus. One of the things that we know about Mary is that she loved Jesus deeply. And the reason that she loved Jesus so deep was that Jesus did something for her that no other person could do for her. That was to forgive her. Jesus forgave her. She knew that her life was broken. She knew that her life was meaningless. She knew that her life was dark and empty and without purpose and with no direction outside of Jesus. And she knew what Jesus had done for her. The Bible said, whoever has been forgiven much, loves much. And so we don't know exactly what Mary was forgiven of, but we know, according to Luke's gospel, that Jesus cast seven devils out of Mary. Now, Mary had to be a pretty bad girl to be filled with seven devils. I don't know. If you have seven demons controlling your life, I think that's kind of hard to be a good person. As a matter of fact, the Jewish Talmud records that she was from the town of Magdala, where this was a town that was known for its prostitution. And there are some who suggest that Mary lived a life of prostitution. The Bible doesn't tell us that, but the Bible tells us that Jesus cast seven demons out of her. What that tells me and what that should say to you today is simply this, that the body of Christ is made up of imperfect people, people who have a past, people whom God has delivered from some dark things in their life. The body of Christ represents people who have some bad things that have happened in their life and have done some bad things. And one of the things that we all have in common as the body of Christ is this, that we have been forgiven by Jesus. And all of that has been washed away and all of that is now under the blood. And so our commitment to the body runs deep. Our commitment to Jesus runs deep. That's why we have people that get up early every Sunday. And as we are not able to today, but get up early every Sunday and make sure that there is a place where you and I can come and experience Jesus and worship him together. There are people who serve in areas of ministry every week to assure us that we can experience the love and the mercy of Jesus. This is why we give cheerfully. This is why we get involved. This is why we serve. This is why we want to reach beyond the four walls like we're doing today. Because we have been forgiven much. And therefore we love much. And we want to serve. We want to be a part. We want to be connected to the body of Christ. And so it also lets us know 
that if God can take someone like me, and if God can forgive me, and if God can change me, and if God can use me for His glory, He can do the same for you. He can do the same for your family. Jesus forgave us of a debt that we could not repay. And so we love Him. We love Him with everything that's within us. Now, one of the things that I want you to notice in the story is simply this. The Bible said that while it was still dark, I want you to look at that for a moment. Even though Jesus had delivered the darkness out of Mary, there was still darkness around Mary. And so just like we were and are imperfect people, there are imperfect days, weeks, months. There are still dark seasons. There's still dark times that you and I walk through. And this is one of those times. This is a dark season. This is a dark time for us. This is why we are redirecting our thoughts. This is why we are refocusing. This is why we are turning and returning to Jesus and His church. Because we know that these are some dark days. But we also know that the empty tomb tells us, tomb tells us that Jesus has triumphed over darkness. So dark days don't have power to defeat us. We can be in dark days, but these dark days don't have the power to defeat us. Dark days cause us to see the power of God moving in our life and in our situations. Because the Bible said that in her dark season, she saw that the stone had been removed. In her dark season, she saw the stone had been removed. And even though the day and the situation is still dark, I want you to know that we can still see God's victory in our life. We can still see God moving in our life. We don't have to doubt that God is not in control because He is. Mary was expecting the stone to be in front of her. She was expecting some type of hindrance, some type of restriction to be in front of her, to be between her and her Savior. I just want you to know right now that there's no obstacle. There's no hindrance. There's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. There's nothing that can keep us from reaching Him, and more importantly, from Him reaching us. There's nothing that can keep us from experiencing the power and the presence of God, even in these dark seasons. I don't know what you're expecting. Maybe you're expecting some, some bad things. Maybe you've been thinking about and meditating or thinking about just some bad things, some negative things. But I want you to know that God has the power and God is moving the stone. And what we may have been expecting is going to be the total opposite of what God is going to do. And I just feel prophetic in saying that. We've not yet seen what God is going to do in this situation. And so even in our dark seasons, we can see God moving in our life. 
Stones can be removed two ways. Obstacles, hindrances. The Bible said that whoever says to this mountain, rock, stone, and believes in his heart and doesn't doubt that it shall be removed. I talked about that. I shared some things with you on Wednesday night that nothing in the kingdom of God moves until we speak it, until we say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the poor say, I am rich. Let the weak say, I am strong. Job says, you shall declare a thing and it shall be established for you. So we know that there are things that are not going to move until we speak by faith, until we continue to stand in faith, believing, and just continue to declare and decree the word of God over that situation. Not doubting in our hearts, but from a position of faith. But then there is what I call seeing faith. There's speaking faith, and then there is seeing faith. Someone says, now wait a minute. Wait a minute, Pastor, because we're not supposed to walk by, fi- by faith, or we're not supposed to walk by sight, but we're supposed to walk by faith. In other words, we're not supposed to walk by what we feel or our emotions. We're not supposed to be led by those things. We're supposed to walk by faith. What I'm saying is this. I'm saying that we need eyes of faith in dark seasons, in dark times. Remember, I just shared this with you last week. I shared with you Elisha and his servant. Elisha's servant was terrified by the armies that had gathered against Elisha and himself. But yet Elisha saw something totally, entirely different. Elisha saw through the eyes of faith. And remember 2 Kings 16 and 7, or 6 and 17, he says this. Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and he saw. And the hills were full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. I've been praying and I asked you to pray last week that God would open our eyes of faith, that we would see beyond our circumstance, that we would see beyond what's going on, and peer into the heavenly realm or the the spirit realm to know that there are more things that are working for us than there are against us. The New Testament uh, scripture for, for that is Ephesians 1 and 18. Paul says this, I pray that the eyes of your heart, the eyes of your spirit may be enlightened, that God would open up our understanding so that we would know the hope to which he has called you and I to, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. And so that's one of the things we need to be praying in this season is that God would open our eyes, that God would give us understanding so that we would be able to not be led by feelings, but by the spirit of the most high God. The Bible says that we are seeing faith, I'm still talking about, The Bible says that we are to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. I'm going to close with this. The children of Israel were leaving Egypt. And Pharaoh's army 
would not let them go easily. And so Pharaoh and his mighty army is pursuing the children of Israel. And they get to a place where there seems to be no way out. They're standing in front of a Red Sea, and there are mountains on each side of them. Breathing down their back is the Egyptian army, and they're closing in on the children of Israel. And this is what God says to them. In the midst of their crisis, in the midst of a dark season, in the midst of a restless time in their life, Exodus 14, 13 and 14 records these words. God said, do not be afraid. I know I've not asked you to type anything in today, but I do want you to type that in right now. Everyone watching me right now, just type those words in. Do not be afraid. Fear not. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. That word or those words stand still in the Hebrew means stop all activity. Isn't it interesting that right now in our nation and literally around the world, all activity has ceased. There's no ball games on. Work is very limited. All of our activities, all of our coming and going seems to be at a standstill. When God said, stand still, he said, stop all activity. It also means to cease all of your striving. Trying to figure it out, trying to understand, trying to make it happen. God says, stop it. Don't worry. Just stand still. Stand in my presence. Stand in my word or on my word. Cease all of this activity and know that I am God. I really do believe that God is using this. I didn't say he caused it, but I believe God is using this to get us to cease from all this activity. It seems as though every other God that has been exalted in the land has fallen. And our God is exalted. And our eyes and the nation is looking to him. But that's where our help is coming from. And he says, don't try to figure this out. Just wait for me. We're in a waiting season. We're in a holding pattern. God says, just wait on me. He says, I will open things up. I'll do things that you can't do. I'll do things that the government can't do. I'll do things that the employer can't do. I will open things up for you. I'll make a way where there seems to be no way. I want you to understand, God just is asking us in this moment, in this minute, just stand still and know that he's making a way even where there seems to be no way. 
And this is where our obedience has to be lined up with our faith. Because when we obey God and put our faith in that, God will open up a way that seems impossible and is impossible with man. Verse 14 says this, For the Lord, this is why God says, Stand still, I want to show you something. He says, For the Lord will fight for you. That's why we have to cease all this activity, all this worry, all this doubt, all this restlessness, all this wondering. God says, I'm going to fight for you. Just stand still. Know that I will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. This is how you deal with fear. This is how you rid yourself from fear. God is saying, know that I will fight for you. Know that I will deliver you. That word uh, salvation means deliverance. It means to save and it means to deliver. He said, I'm going to deliver you out of this. And I want the church to know God is going to deliver us. God's going to open some things up for us. And he's going to get all the glory and he's going to get all the honor for it. And he says this, let me give you this promise. He says, if you'll stand still and if you'll wait on me, it will be your strength. And when it becomes your strength, it will drive all fear out of your life. So as I close now and get ready to pray, I just want you to know that you are in a season where God is saying, stand still. We're assembling, we're coming to the body, we want to be connected with each other, and we're going to do that, we're going to continue to connect with each other. But God is saying, cease all this activity. Get your eyes on me. Get your eyes off of your enemy. Get your eyes off of your circumstance. Get your heart turned towards me. Return to me. Turn to me. And you're going to see things that only I can do. So Father, right now, I just pray right now, Lord, for those who are struggling, those who may be battling fear, those who are restless in their spirit, those who are tossing and turning right now. I just pray right now, Father God, that you, Lord, would just be a God of peace and comfort to them. I pray, Lord, that you would just speak to their hearts. Let them hear the words that you spoke to Moses to stand still, that they will see the salvation of their God. Lord, we'll never cease to give you the praise nor the glory for it. Lord, I pray for those right now that may be watching me that are far from you and they just tuned in today. Lord, I just pray right now that they will begin to return to you. Maybe, maybe they're backslidden, Father. I pray, God, that they would just surrender their heart back to you. Maybe they've never given their heart to you, Lord. And I just pray right now, if that's you, I just want you to pray this simple prayer with me. Dear Jesus, forgive me. I ask you now to come into my life. Wash me with your blood. I believe that you are the son of God. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose for me. And I believe you're coming back very soon. 
and I want to be ready. And I'm asking you now into my heart. If you prayed that prayer and if you believed it in your heart, you are as sure for heaven as me standing here right now.